Magic.me is the world's greatest school for magic, meditation, and mysticism. You can learn everything there from chaos magic to hermeticism to meditation to how to supercharge your finances and take absolute control of your destiny. In short, you get all of the tools you need to turn chaos into beautiful, scintillating order and master your life. It's incredible. You've probably heard me talk about it on the show quite a lot, but check it out. It's growing fast. And I just want to say, if you're confused about where to start, because I have so many courses there, the Adept Initiative is the place to go. The Adept Initiative is the flagship course on magic.me, and it contains everything you need to know to master the most profound ancient techniques of changing your consciousness and the most modern and cutting edge tools and systems for absolutely turning your life into a masterpiece. You are really going to dig it. Go check it out, and I will see you in class. It's magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E. How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. good. Yeah, good. thank you again. All right. Mm -hmm. So let's, I guess, let's uh, take it from the top. So why don't we start off if you want to tell us a little bit about who you are, the nature of your work, uh, your books, and what you've been working on and most interested in recently. Um, I am an acupuncturist by training. I've also studied psychotherapy. Um, I'm a spiritual counselor. I work with people in terms of uh, guiding on their spiritual work while navigating the psychological terrain. I've studied many different things. I've left my practice of acupuncture about three years ago, pre-COVID. I've been upstate New York now fully um, the last three some years, and I do phone sessions. I'm doing the same kind of work. And my work has really been the same the last four decades, which is really dealing with the human shadow, um, guiding people through that, my own experiences where I have had these very profound spiritual experiences that really didn't go anywhere because of um, early childhood wounding. And I really realized early on in my practice, also working with a lot of um, dying, this is during the AIDS crisis, of the lack of marriage between the psyche and spirit in our world, being that we are so compartmentalized. And my work has been really that, has been really dealing with the human shadow, how it affects the spiritual life, and how spiritual life can bring um, pieces that are missing in psychology in, in our lives. And I've written a book on it, Shadows on a Path, uh, many years ago, and then more recently a book for healers about how to navigate that world, which is which is quite tricky, which is quite tricky. Yes. Yeah. Great. Yeah, we, we had a whole... We, we had a whole podcast talking about the nature of the shadow, but it's been a long time. And, and of course, uh, there's, that is a topic that can never be talked about enough, I think. But yeah. I wanted to particularly talk to you and just open, open up this conversation with um, the elephant in the room, which is I feel like we've just been through the shadow projection Super Bowl of COVID and, and political chaos and lockdowns and rioting and government, governmental instability war. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's been fun. Um, so it's whatever, as the old saying goes, whatever you don't own owns you. And 
this is the perfect example of it. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I'd love to, we can go wherever you want to go. The thing I was sitting with um, this morning mm. uh, for our talk, you know, it's incredible the level of brainwashing that's going on through the media. I mean, obviously, we've never been like this through something like this historically, given the power of technology and how powerful it is. And also the technology is just a reflection of us, right? Like, mm. I don't care if it's AI. I mean, it's humans that program these things. So these things are always going to reflect back our own blind spots. And wherever we go with our talk today, just to really have this in our conscious mind. I've had a very interesting experience. You know, I haven't done this since I was 19 years old, where I lived in a teepee for a year. And three months of that, I was really in the woods by myself mostly. And you know, the last four months, I've been by myself in the woods again and just spending a lot of alone time besides literally a 15-minute, you know, grocery shopping a week. And the profoundness of just how, even for someone who is not wanting to engage, how we're all being so manipulated, so subtly, and so evilly beautiful. I mean, it's really profound what's happening. Yeah, one, so, one, yeah. one second, sorry. I got to turn my dog off. One second, sorry. No, all good. Sorry about that. I got a, a oh, I got a, a COVID dog, uh, like a lot of people, and uh, he 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 likes to contribute to the podcast. He probably has more to say than I do. So I'll keep your dog in a room. It's probably more <laughs> interesting. People will get more out of it. <laughs> so more honest right there. You were saying, <laughs> well, just 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 what we we're talking about. I mean, what you said beautifully. You know that the shadow thing we're going through, and yeah, through now that it's over. I mean, it's just going to intensify. Just the level of how we are all in this amazingly manipulated environment. And the function of it is divide and conquer, right? Regardless of what you want to be very um, giving and be like, okay, they just want more hits so they can sell more newspapers or whatever, or you want to be more whatever, just see how dark it is. Regardless of that, the point being that we're really living in this environment that's incredibly toxic. And People, all of us, not people, all of us take these righteous attitudes, what we figure is righteous, you know, attitudes without really examining that the biggest contribution we can make at this time to be at a place of peace. Peace doesn't mean accepting the fascism that's being shoved on our throat. Well, yeah, it's just I'm saying about having a serene mind. One of the things that's been really painful to observe, um, even with around very quote unquote spiritual people that I know, these profound teachers who've had decades of practice, you know, how the language that would come out of their mouth, you know what I mean, towards, you know, let's say unvaccinated people or whatever. Again, I, I have no dogs in a fight here, just the level of rage and the level, and this is what brings me back to why I wrote Shadows on the Path. These are not stupid people. These are kind people. These are people who've dedicated decades to helping people, but just the level of, you know, the Trump versus Biden thing and, you know, the left versus right. I mean, the genius of the system in the dividing and conquering is like, it doesn't matter how much work one has done. If one hasn't done this part of the work, the split comes forward. And that's what I'm saying about we need serenity. You know, it's life, like just what happened with you, with your puppers, you know, this is life, it comes up. So I can get all agitated, be like, Jesus, God, you know, or I can just be like, this is life. I cannot that I'm some great, you know, I'm the most impatient, uh, deepest anger and everything it just has taken decades just to be like it's not personal my heart goes out to you i can feel the anxiety around your puppers 
even you saying like it's embarrassing i know it's out of the kindness it's like no it's not embarrassing this is life unfolding it's like i have nothing but respect for you this is just out of your control right it's we don't make room for our humanity so in a perfect world my phone lines would be working and that you wouldn't have to spend 10 minutes dealing with me going from my phone to, to the zoom that we're doing now i thought it'd be help you know that there is no perfect world so the question becomes we are incarnated at this moment for very specific reasons. Here it is. How do we keep the heart open? How do we keep our center in the midst of it? Again, that doesn't mean that we don't take um, account of what's happening outside. I mean, it's wild. It's bewildering. Um, the thing I was saying to you, the reason I mentioned, you know, having this time alone in the woods for, for four months now and really, really spending solitude time, not lonely time, very profound. I went to New York City where I lived, you know, since I was 15, you know, I spent 40 years there. Um, it was bewildering. And that was my city. I mean, I love the city. And I'd gone to Bushwick. A friend of mine has opened a motorcycle shop. I just went down and just say hello to him. Like, I literally, my nervous system, and I'm not talking about driving. I'm talking just being in the energy of the anxiety and the division. I mean, not even talking to anyone. It's really profound. So we also have to have profound compassion on all of us. The fact that we're being bombarded by these energies. Yeah, so, I've, I've had I've actually spoken to multiple people who've told me that about New York that it's just it's it, it's not the same at all anymore, and it's extremely edgy and combative. Even uh, it, is, it does not sound is, pleasant. And, yeah, and you know, I lived in the city in the seventies. I mean, you know. Mm. I've, I lived in the city when it was dangerous and I lived in dangerous neighborhoods. This is a different, this is a different yeah. thing. It's not a sense of danger. It's a sense of like insanity. I mean, it, it literally just feels insane. Um, it's like beyond. And again, this is like one of the centers where all, all this division is being pumped up, you know, over the years and the media. I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible. Like we have so much more in common as humans with each other. We have this, minority basically screwing all of us basically yeah, right yeah. and the fact that we, we argue who's wearing a red shirt or blue shirt is just phenomenal i mean job well done on them but shame on us for not being more centered and just learning that this is a time to even love each other more that doesn't mean we got to like each other but love each other you yeah know, to, to, have, to have that level and this is really by design right so it's an extra push like our unconscious already is a bear to wrestle with but these energies just make it even more profoundly important to really sit with that aspect of, of self and to see what it's about. And again, in my worldview, it's not a coincidence. This is an amazingly profound time. As I say that, I have to say to you, like I'm working with people all around the world who are really just stepping back. And this craziness has actually given them a gift of fully, fully, really starting to do the spiritual work. And by spiritual, I mean, literally, they're householders. They don't have shaved heads. They're not monks. They're dealing with their partners or being alone or being ill or their dog or their cat. I mean, they're, they're in the world, but they've actually taken a step back. So that's also the gift of this time. If one so chooses to use it that way. Yeah. I've noticed that as well. And I think that, um, you know, of course, during the lockdown, lots and lots and lots of people became interested in, in taking courses from me or learning more spiritual things. Um, uh, but it's, like I was just talking to a neighbor last night. It's I, I'm really struggling to understand where we are because, uh, you know, everything changed during the lockdown. I ended up moving to a, a different state and, and, you know, apart from friends and family just to get out of the 
fascism of Los Angeles. Um, and so I went through some major transitions, but just in the, you know, the fact that this perfect recipe where everyone was put under house arrest and then their only, you know, periscope to the world was the internet or these kind of like in these agitating media sources and nobody was, nobody was talking to each other. And, and since I kind of live, it sounds like you do as well, kind of removed from civilization a little bit at this point. Um, uh, it seems like I'm on forever lockdown at this point, <laughs> but uh, just because I've like I've I've chosen to like get, try to get as far away from that type of energy that you described in sure. New York as possible, sure. but sure. that's dangerous too, you know. And I feel like one of the really dangerous things about this time is that everyone is operating in an information poor environment. Like, yes, we're being bombarded by noise all the time, but we're you know none of it is particularly useful or enlightening. And oh, but far, far from it, it's actually designed yeah. to totally disconnect. I mean, this is the thing as, as all this Twitter file and all this stuff comes up again, no uh, tooth in the game. I mean, the fact that people actually think someone like Pfizer, who's basically for me as a clinician, I can tell you for decades, you know, I've seen what nightmare these, these pharmaceutical industries are. They give zero fucks about humanity. All of a sudden they become heroes again, yeah. no right or wrong, right? Like whatever the thing is, I don't even want to get into that, but it's by design right? And the alienation is complete. Even the word lockdown, like we get used to these things. Like the word lockdown is prison. Like why that? And, you know, this is just the beginning. The climate lockdowns are going to come down. I mean, this is the, again, a guy like me who's talked about the environment. I'm in the woods. I'm not, I understand what's going on, but, you know, people talk about gas stoves or agriculture. <laughs> what about the U.S. military? It's the biggest yeah, polluter. Yeah, in the yeah, world. yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah for these sure. Things are not, yeah, so, it's by design. The divide and conquer is by design. It's not, this is not just a happening. And to your point, one can be in a group of people and be alone, which has been my experience with a lot of people, or one can actually be in solitude and be in relationship with self. Do you know what I mean? Like I've done that thing of being alone and that's not a pleasant thing that in its own way is very wounding, mm-hmm. but one can use this time as actually being first and foremost in full relationship with self, which that is some doing. I mean, that's really some doing of not waiting for the future, of not waiting for the lover, of not waiting for some salvation, of first just starting, of having a relationship with self. And, you know, I don't see many people having a relationship with self. I mean, we all can drop in deeper. You know, we can meditate till the cows come home, still not be in a relationship with self. Again, this is one of the things I was talking about. I'm a perfect example. Like my own traumas, the meditation, kept it in check, but didn't really help it. It was actually, you know, putting a bandaid on a festering wound. So these times, again, is how one approaches it. And it's always the intention, not the action. One can be in a group and be alone. One can be alone and be alone. Alone isn't the point. His relationship with self is the point. So one really has to use solitude very consciously and very gingerly because we're also gluttons for punishment. And the other thing I was thinking today to your point is, you know, we, we all live in terror. I mean, we literally, I don't know anyone that I work with, myself included, who is not on some level living in terror. Mm. And now that lo and behold, we, that disappears, just becoming aware of the terror actually starts easing the terror, right? There's a reason we're on the phones all day long. It's not on the phones, you know, the magazines, not the magazines, making something, cooking, like constant movement. Yeah. Just this sitting, right? Just sitting and being with self. 
Um, whenever someone asks me, I'm like, start with that. And it sounds so easy and benign. Oh my God, it, that's, that's decades <laughs> and decades of work, right? You, you know that. You laugh. Well, yeah, I mean, the problem with sitting in solitude is all the stuff you've been avoiding hits you all at once. <laughs> exactly. So the point of like, you know, my experience with most of the people that I knew during the lockdowns, I love that word to lockdown. Mm. I mean, Jesus, can you get more fascist than that? Right. Prison, right? Prison talk. I mean, it's genius. It, these things people have to realize are not a coincidence. This kind of double speaks up that these mofos drop on us. It's a genius. You, you got to love them. But you know, pe- people weren't going in inside. I mean, I would talk to people who were like, literally, we're watching 12 Netflix a day. And yeah. then, you know, literally it was this, it wasn't, we're not really trained as a culture to use that. It, it was a very like cruel thing. And again, it's not a coincidence. Divide and conquer is really, really huge just to isolate people. And that's, you know, the number one fascist old school trick, right? Not only divide and conquer, but also isolate. And isolation really allows the fear to get a hold. The fear, I'm not just talking of dying, which of course it is, and not just of COVID, which of course it is, is deeper than that. We're all frightened, right? We're all frightened. And this culture does not promote healing by its nature. Consumption, you have to be an addict. This culture functions on keeping us addicted Mm -hmm. to all of it, right? And even seeing like 80 year olds who are now addicted to these phones, which I've never seen. I mean, seeing, you know, people like that I know are like in their mid eighties who five years ago, didn't even know how to use something are now like on an Instagram all day long. It's wild. I mean, it's just a, quite a thing to observe just as a, just as an observer, someone like me who loves to observe human behavior and human nature. It's profound. It's really, really profound. Yeah. I mean, even as a person who spent most of almost all of my life being deeply paranoid and distrustful of the system and right. acutely aware of, of overt and covert, primarily covert mind control. It's like, this is like, this is like a whole other level. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I've mentioned on this podcast before I, I, uh, when I left California, I was listening to the audiobook of 1984 on the, on my drive to Texas where I moved. And it was like, it was just like wow. a documentary. Every single thing was, it was like the double speak, you know, like they, in that, in oh. that book, they have this thing called like the hour of hate where they just put on the TV yep. with a person yes. that you're supposed to hate. And just everyone like screams at that person for an hour <laughs> and then goes back to work. Uh, things like that. Well, it, it, it's preemptive programming, right? I mean, that word preemptive programming, mm-hmm. this is where, like the tinfoil hat wearing people were not even getting how dark you'll get. This is, this is preemptive programming. These things, when you read these things and when you see this stuff, it's quite profound. I mean, this is like what you said about documentary. That's what I say about the matrix all the time. People go, Oh, the movie matrix. I'm like, that was a documentary. That wasn't a, a movie. It's a documentary. And obviously the entertainment in- industry is very much intertwined with this military industrial complex, yeah. which now includes the pharmaceutical complex, right? It's one little nicely packaged thing and it sounds insane but that's my direct experience of it right and well it's not insane i mean it's like you can read the you can read all the paperwork if you if you look for it it's just that people tend not to look right. for it it's go to your I, public I, library it's all there yeah i'm just yeah, exactly i'm just saying to the average person is so brilliantly made to feel like it's crazy talk yeah one thing they've been really good at doing which has been deeply um uh, r- really fucked me over is that anyone who expresses any slight distrust of is now a conspiracy theorist. That's just oh, the slur, mean, which means nothing. Of course, it's like conspiracy theory, well, but it implies that it's uh, well, no, I mean, it's like you can say things from the newspaper and it's like, well, no, you're a conspiracy theorist. Well, it's, it's, it's maddening. Well, as one knows, you know, the, the, the root of that word started with the CIA 
over the Kennedy assassination. So this stuff has been designed, again, to neutralize. But worse than that, I mean, when you see what's happening in China, is coming here, where not only now you'll be, you know, basically washed out, right, of like your social media and this and that, but you'll actually be canceled because once we go into digital currency and all this stuff, like literally the point system that's happening in China will come here and it'll happen quickly. Now, I don't want to get lost in this stuff. There's people yeah. can get depressed with this stuff. The point <laughs> yeah. being that I also wanted to say, and this is really important, you know, even the dark serves a light. Even the dark serves a light. You know, I've been in situations in the past where I literally had a shaman in my 20s literally trying to kill me. Like, I mean, I'm talking like crazy stuff, stuff mm. moving across and me having hitting, getting hit by cars and, you know, like really dark stuff. And, you know, I was scared. I didn't sleep for like six months. Mm. It was the most frightening experience. But when I look back, even that, not even that, especially those couple of times when mm. I had these dark, dark energies come around me, it really taught me something. So it's also important in the middle of this to remember that the dark also serves the light. Ultimately, it's only light. So not to give the power over there at the same time as, you know, remembering and also understand these people are insane. Like people are waking up. Like so many people I know literally are not even arguing one way or another about one thing or another. They're kind of getting like, wait, this is this is off. This is something really off here. Yeah. The problem and, is, though, that the majority of people are still in the herd mentality. And it's like I, I pegged pretty quick by the time we got to 2021. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was not like, quote unquote, scared of the government at all. Like I was not afraid of, uh, you know, that there was going to be some literal fascist uh, cops in the street or something like that. Um, I'm afraid of other people. I'm afraid of herd mentality in a way that I've never been before. And to the point where it's unhealthy, where it's just like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to interact with the public. You know, I, I, well, I it's pretty much stay like within so my, the yeah. Is that what this has done it's is it's su to such a level now though. So I just, yeah, I'm just afraid yeah, yeah, of people. Know, no, I hear you. I hear you. But here's the thing, keeping this, this is where frequency is really important. Again, you know, you know me from what we've talked mm -hmm. in the past, you know, I'm not a new agey guy, but frequency is really important. One really becomes invisible to this herd mentality if one keeps that um, center. Yeah. And the center is really profound, right? And one has to also understand the herd mentality. Yes, we're being manipulated, but we're being manipulated because we, don't, we want to be manipulated. Well, People that's the problem, right? I mean, it's like that's, that's where at a certain point, and we saw this so clearly in the division during the pandemic on both sides. It's like there was no... There was no meta awareness at all. People were not stepping back from from the narrative. Nobody was saying, you know, hey, maybe we're being manipulated, unless it was, you know, just super anti vaxxer or or right. just, you know, it's like there, unless it was being used as a way to hurt other people, which is what I think most of the conspiracy stuff on the right is. Um, but, well, totally. But the thing is, like, first of all, the conspiracy thing. End of the day, this is about love. This, this has been the same. It's only been a minority of people throughout history that have woken up. I mean, we've been through the dark yeah. ages. We went through the Inquisition. <laughs> One has to remember, this is nothing yeah, yeah. new. Humanity being cruel mm. to humanity and animals yeah. and nature is nothing new. What I sense is new that this stuff will fall apart. There's no way that these people can keep this stuff going. Like people are, when people got nothing to lose, that's the most dangerous thing. And the way they're destroying everything, right? They're destroying, like, amazing, right? Like, all small businesses were destroyed, or so many yeah. of them. 
And then, but the big boxes were open. I mean, you could go eat McDonald's. That was okay. Mm-hmm. But you couldn't go out and exercise. I mean, or order the, all your, everything off Amazon while you're yeah, locked down. Exactly yeah. right. But, but people are, I mean, the people that are going to wake up are going to wake up. The people that were like this were going to be like this. I, I mean, truly, like I, it became overtly more, I, I hear what you're saying, but my thing of like, even when I wrote Shadows on a Path, how many years ago I wrote that and I was working on that for God knows how long. Because I saw this in a spiritual community. Mm. I saw the level of anger and hatred and, you know, my technique, my guru, this, that. And, <laughs> you know, when this whole uh, ayahuasca and, you know, uh, like MDMA I was using with with vets back in the 80s, you know, mm, even this stuff now is, is all being co-opted. So this culture basically has no salvation in it. It's, there's no salvation. So once one is clear about that, um, and I'm, I hear everything you're saying, but I mean, I've seen this time coming, right? Psychically, I've been talking about it. And even for me, I'm like, holy shit, this is, you yeah. gotta give credit to where it's cred. But to me, the cred is also to like, wow, how amazing how we don't want to wake up. That we'll go to this depth, to this darkness, and still not want to like move a finger of doing some internal work. And, yeah. you know, end of the day, we're only responsible for ourselves and for not being brainwashed ourselves and for having a frequency of centeredness, centeredness, right? At the same time, I'm not saying like, I don't hang around toxic people. I mean, I really hold my own company. And the important thing is not out of fear and not to be lonely. One has to have a very deep relationship with self. Um, The loneliness thing doesn't work out too well. The loneliness thing actually is really part of the system. To make yeah. us feel lonely, to feel us desperate, to feel, you know, whatever one feels like for you is doing your podcast. That is a thing. But if 10 people listen to this, 100 people, 10,000, doesn't matter. Me and you sitting here, we're spending our time out of love. You're getting nothing out of this. I'm not getting nothing out of this. It's lovely to connect with you. I enjoy talking to you. This is the act of love. Hey, if someone listens to this, hopefully it's going to be helpful. These are things that have helped me and you. If not, that's okay too. There's no, I'm trying to save you. There's no fuck you. Now, at the same time, our enlightenment is intertwined with each other, mm-hmm. right? Like that's another thing that's really important. Um, I spent the first, whatever, half of my practice um, trying to save the world. As a guy who was raised in the third world, saw suffering, had zero self-esteem, was seriously abused as a child, really was trying to fix the world. Like that was not healthy. And then realizing that my enlightenment is intertwined with every person that comes my way. That was a very healthy, right? It was a very different kind of experience. So I feel like part of this thing to divide and conquer happens because we take this stance of me against the world, which this culture design is designed, right? By culture, I mean the world is designed to do that. And (laughs) to tie it into that is this celebrity culture and this incredible narcissism of wanting to be seen and wanting to be loved. Meanwhile, like having no love for self, right? Like that's such a profound thing. I always talk about this. Like I've treated some really famous people, musicians, artists over my decades. And, you know, the ones that were at peace were the ones at peace and had something to share. The ones who had a hungry ghost energy, mm. that shit just destroys you. Yeah. Because it's never enough, right? You can never shove enough food in that little hole, that Buddhist vision of what a hungry ghost is, right? This huge body and a pinprick for a mouth. You can never get enough into it. And that's where we are right now. Are you going to be a hungry ghost? Or are you going to actually get out of the ghost world and have a relationship? And this is where the inner child stuff comes in. Like for me, these really these four months have been really reconnecting 
And I'm pretty good with my little boy, but literally just these aspects I hadn't seen before. I was like, wow, like this is where the pain is. Or like, how come I never talk to him like this? How come I never listen to this part of him? And that takes, you know, life has to really pummel you to get to your knees to be even be able to ask those questions because that's painful business as well. One thing that I think was hoping for some people, I think potentially, let's say uh, helpful about the, about the lockdowns and the pandemic is it forced everyone to do that unless they just spent the time drinking and, and uh, you know, watching Netflix or playing games, which I did a lot of too. But um, you know, I, I, at least personally, I feel like I've spent so much of this time kind of in this inner hallucinatory world, having internal conversations with myself or other people that, you know, how you, you know, how it is, you'll be taught, you'd be talking to someone in your head for like an hour and then you'll realize <laughs> where have I been for the last hour? Like, this isn't real. I'm not actually talking to somebody. Yeah. Um, not as like a crazy thing, but it's like, just like as part of your own mental process. And we'll that is it, exacerbated. By yeah, the we all do it. We all do it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's beautiful you're saying it. We all do it. Um, the, the grounding thing is really important. I love that you're saying this because part of this being alone, that can be very easily a trap one can fall into and literally forcing oneself just for a certain period of the day, literally not to think. I mean, literally not to yeah, think. Yeah, well, like, that's the foundation of everything. I mean, that's that's... Um, it's so difficult. It's difficult. It's so difficult. When I was in LA, I used to go to a, a sensory deprivation tank place in Pasadena okay. called Just Float, which is shout out to them. I hope they're still open. Really great people. Um, but they would tell me that, you know, this is LA people, that most of the people who came there had never spent an hour by themselves in their, their entire life. You now we're talking about theater people, you know, theater kids, mm-hmm. entertainment yeah. industry people, but I don't feel like it's just that. I think that what you're saying about this, this culture gives us literally endless, endless distractions. I have endless distractions, even just in my own house between books and sure. records and the internet. And, and it's just, you know, even in the confines of my own house, I have endless things to avoid myself with. Um, but we all, we all, yeah. that's, so going back. So, so this is really important what you're saying. Going back to that self-talk. Like one of the things I've learned when I'm doing that self-talk, like if I have a talk, what is the sense of being wronged or something? I need to say to someone, mm. I've learned, I go back and I ask my little boy, I'm like, okay, what's going on? What are you afraid of? How did I, and it's always us that do the cruelty to ourselves, right? How did I not stand up for you? How did I betray you? How did I say yes when I said no? Because I find the self-talk is sort of putting a bandaid on it as opposed to going like, okay, with this person, what was it? And I literally had this dialogue and a dialogue, it's a kinesthetic thing. It's not a mental thing. That's one thing. The other thing is like, just like you, I mean, I love music, I have my records, I have my bikes that I wrench on. I can go on mm. walks. Yeah. I literally force myself just to sit and just sit on a couch without anything and just look. Look at a wall, look outside, look at a tree and really not meditating, which I do too. That's just fun, but literally just sitting (laughs) and that in itself, you want to see how anxious you are? Try doing that because even meditation is a thing that one does. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that actually, and I've come to think this recently, it's like, you know, meditation, particularly if it's a more complex technique is is often a way of, it's a technique of self-annihilation and so it's almost the old you know i guess this exactly. i guess the reality is like this it is kind of the ultimate paradox where it is supposed to be the thing that puts you in touch but it's the ultimate self uh, avoidance 
Yeah. Well, sometimes the, just sitting and trying and, and not and like you're saying, not in a meditation sense, but just sitting and trying to do nothing is, is, uh, harder. Well, it, it's, it's the most difficult. And also, you know, it's the thing we talked about last time when we were talking, you know, a lot of these techniques, not a lot of these techniques, most of these techniques come from cultures that were not hyper individuated like ours. Like we're so hyper individuated. Yeah. Right. It's interesting. People use these techniques for meditation. You know, you'll be more effective. You'll be you know, stronger. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Lift yeah. more weight. I mean, yeah. It's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Can we just, just sit down and not be quote unquote productive for a freaking second, man? Just sit and feel. Feel your feet on the ground. Like as I'm talking to you right now. Right. Like I literally, I'm just feeling my body. My body, two million years old. My head, 200 years old. My body has a lot more to offer. Right. As opposed to my head, which is important. But the, the marriage of these two, something we really um, underestimate. Very interesting in New York. And I was, again, get a lot of shit for saying this. And I, I say it every chance I get. It's very interesting where techniques like Vipassana or mindfulness are almost poo-pooed and techniques like a TM, which is like a mantra. And it's like two times a day, 20 minutes. Now, it's a yeah, this is a, yeah, I've, uh, this is a funny you know topic I mean? for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you. I think Vipassana is, is uh, an excellent well, technique and I have thoughts about TM, but I'll spare everyone. Yes, same. Again, I'm not against it. I actually, it can be very helpful. I remember the times when I was really agitated. The mantra-based things were really helpful for me. Again, I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying as an observation, Anything this culture goes towards, one has to ask questions about it. Not that it's wrong. I'm not pooping TM. TM helps. I've seen people really do wonderful work with it. I'm not putting it down, but it's interesting. And you can do TM and bypass these, these yeah. feelings. Like yeah. I did. I did techniques that I bypassed these feelings, right? So the feelings are the gateway. They're, they're, the, they're the, the gateway. The emotions are the gateway to the soul. They tell you. So when you were saying that self-talk thing that we all do, you know, if I catch myself in the shower in the middle of having this conversation with this person, I'm like, I need to just slow down. Be like, what is my little boy feeling there? Like, oh my God, he felt so unsafe. He was screaming to me, but I was in my shtick. Because that child knows everything and sees everything. And man, those parts of us are pissed at us because they watch us betray ourselves all day long. Mm. And all they want is some attention. They don't need to be fixed. They, don't, they just need to be seen. And even seen isn't the correct word. They need to be felt, right? And it's so funny. The feelings are always there. But since we're so heady, we don't even know them. We don't even feel them. You know, just a terror thing. Like, we all have these moments of terror. Oh, my God, this fascism. Like, and then just breathe into it. Feel your body, right? Drop down from that place. And really, we're beyond the point. You know, we can never save anyone. It's a matter of now it's just overtly people are making a choice. They want to go deeper into the dream, right? Like, that, that's fine. That's, those are the people you're not necessarily going to be hanging with. And you just do your own personal work, right? You love your puppy. You connect with that beautiful connection, right? And it's a pain in the ass at the same time to wake up <laughs> at three in the morning. It's a pain in the ass to go for a walk three times a day. And yeah. it's also perfect, right? Yeah. It's the practice is in front of us. Daily is in front of us. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I'll be honest. I think I got, I, when things get really bad like this, um, it, like it's, e it's very easy to be Mr. Spiritual when everything's fine. But I mean, I will be the first to admit that when, uh, particularly over the last couple of years, I mean, there's a point where at least I get to a certain critical threshold where it's just like, okay, like, you know what? I actually don't want to feel anymore. I don't want to be in touch with what I'm feeling. Cause what I'm feeling right now is 
um, awful and it would be a whole lot better to, to, you know, in, in my case, I tend to just be like, okay, well, guess what? I'm just going to be productive and act like a machine and ignore my feelings until the situation is fixed. Then I can worry about feeling. Oh, and, I th- and I think anyone who's been in like a traumatic or a survival situation knows exactly what I mean. But at this point, it's not just that it's kind of like just this insidious, um, the shit that we're going through. And so there's a so certain point where it's like, you know, feeling is a liability. So you're telling me that you're human. So, I mean, <laughs> that's, just, that's just a human experience. Yeah. The, th- the, the thing that's really hard to remember is that, you know, we've been through this historically. I mean, when you think about Nazi Germany, when you think yeah. about World War II, like we, we've lived also in, I mean, I get it, like this level of fascism never before, but, you know, we've been here. Well, nobody's killing each other. I mean, they are in Eastern Europe. But one thing that I do like to remind myself of, particularly in reading history helps a lot, is as bad as it seems right now and as as full of hate as people are for each other, they're not outside of, you know, incident outside of sporadic incidents, which happen kind of frequently now. They're not, yeah. we're not shooting each other. Man, we're so much better off historically. Yeah. That's one thing one has to remember and one has to also remember. It is Dr. Strangelove. These, these people are really drinking their own freaking Kool-Aid. <laughs> like, yeah, they can do a lockdown. People will only take so much shit. Yeah. Like, these people haven't really tasted the wrath of people. Yeah. You, you stop a mother from feeding their, their child or you know, a father or a person taking care of your lover or a person taking care of their dog. Like, believe me, pe- pe- people... There, there, yeah, there or, is or you prevent people from seeing their loved ones while they're dying of COVID. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. And people will slowly, slowly are waking up or, you know, like all this stuff that's going on. So... End of the day, this is a cycle. But the question then becomes for someone like yourself, like myself, people who are listening to this podcast, some interest, this is also a very profound time to find home, the sense of self and to keep the center. I don't even want to say love like that. That gets too like out there. I'm talking just a sense of centeredness. Now, I'm not saying sit there and just do this all day long. Like we need relief. You know what I mean? Like I will sit, I'll feel, yeah. I do my work. It, it, it's a meeting. I'm not, I'm not hanging with that wounded part of me i'll jump out a freaking window like i sit <laughs> for a certain amount of time but you know i've seen this i lived in nigeria during the civil war okay. right, in the 60s, as a child i saw overnight people from neighbors who had different you know um signs from different tribes on their face uh, how those days as a young kid you would get these certain incisions on your face these cuts on your face so you know what tribe who belonged to like turn on each other like turn each other like murder turn on each other. And right? did that happen just overnight? Like what, uh, what happened, happened there? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean look 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 at look what's going on here. Look how fast yeah. it happens. Yeah, it happens overnight. And this is the unfelt unconscious. I mean it, it boils up, but I mean look what people did to uh, gypsies and Jews and yeah. homosexuals, Jesus Christ. I mean, like yeah. overnight, like they destroyed and everybody was literally walking as if nothing's happened. Well, this is what I mean about like basically my my primary fear is of just the herd mentality. I mean, I, I, um, and I, I want to, I would love to hear more about your experiences in, in Nigeria. I don't want to let that go by, uh, if you're comfortable talking about them. But I, I mean, when I, after the writing on all of that, um, when I got to Texas, the first thing that I read was, um, this comic book actually called safe area Garejda, which was written by a guy, a cartoonist named Joe Sacco, who did one mm-hmm. about Palestine as well. And it's, it was, it's like journalism in comic book form. He was there, he was in, um, in Gorejda in Serbia during the, 
uh, yeah, yeah. the ethnic cleansing. And yeah. he, he basically was talking to people and writing down their stories and turning them into a comic book version. And it's just terrifying. I mean, it's like all these people who are wearing Nikes, listening to West, Western music, playing Nintendo, their kids are playing together, you know, in quote unquote, first world conditions. And then just everything goes really quiet. And then a few days later, people are cutting each other's throats who their kids were playing together a few days before. Well, uh, this is what I'm saying. This yeah. has happened over and over. Yeah. And yeah, you don't need to hear my stories in Nigeria. You just said it. The point being that this is what happens when the shadow is not owned. So this goes back to this work. Now, is everyone going to sit around and do shadow work? Like, no, but like this, this is, there's a price to pay. If this stuff doesn't get in, internally, it has, there's going to be bloodletting out. Yeah, yeah. And it's no different with like, you know, January 6th. Oh my God, they almost took over the, took over the government. It's just like, Okay, uh, no. not quite like a bunch <laughs> of overweight freaking rednecks. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? No, I, no. Like, yeah. you know, for me up here, man, I, I live in the middle of the woods. Like, I always say this story. Like, I've been to gun rages where, like, dudes come up in a $3,000 pickup truck. They have, like, $20,000 of, like, illegal firearms. <laughs> I just look at this stuff. I'm not talking about 50 cal machine guns. Like, you think if there's going to be insurrection, these rednecks going to go up there with their, like, their water bottles? Like, these yeah. guys are armed to the teeth. So, yeah. yeah. The point being that also the media plays this thing like, oh, my God, oh, my God. End of the day, man, we have all so much more in common, right? It really is. It's a, the genius of the system is a point. Yeah, I mean, like that I feel was like a huge part of the gaslighting where it was like, oh, my God, January 6th. And it's like, well, OK, like, I guess that's bad that a furry got into the White House. But they're completely um, it, it, that was completely used to pave over what everyone had just gone through, which was lockdowns, rioting, businesses being destroyed, violence, well, state sanctioned well, violence, you know, and then it's like, oh, well, a few people, you know, went past the past the uh, where they shouldn't have been in the tour area. You know, well, like, I, I love how business as usual goes on and people really think if there's the, the head, you know, and like Americans always freak out when you say this, you know, if someone's in a blue shirt or a red shirt, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Man, kids were still getting bombed and, you know, we yeah, freaking yeah, bombed yeah. the business out of Afghanistan for 20 years. Like, oh, there's so yeah. much stuff. These poor vets that come home are homeless. Like everyone waves the flag. Like I don't see anyone taking a vet into their home, a veteran and freaking like taking care of them. It's just like the level of twistedness here is deep. But again, End of the day, this is business as usual. It's just another turn of the, you know, knob on like squeezing people. And really, end of the day, man, everybody just wants to be at peace. Really, like, what do people want? So that's also interesting. So what I'm seeing is that there are people who are really like tuning out of that and dropping into themselves. It's a minority, but it's always going to be a minority. This is I what think, I've been saying for years. Everyone's like, oh, I like, think you have to, though, at least for myself, just in order to stay sane. And it's like people people react if and I mean, like I'm talking like, you know, I've been a professional journalist, like just reading hundreds and hundreds of news feeds all day long, trying to figure out everything that's going on. But there's a certain point where you do have to drop out and into your own world just to stay sane. But now, even if you say that to people, uh, that's like the ultimate personal insults like what do you mean well, you know like yeah of course you, what about what trump said. you know like the republicans are going to take over what you know like you have to be worried about this all the time well um, that's so that person you really can't talk to so that brings him back to the point that at that point what you do is the frequency thing so i learned this early on in the in, in the in the lockdowns right i was uh, with some people you know like i've <laughs> I've studied, I've worked in the medical world. I have like a bachelor's and a master's in biology. Mm -hmm. I studied genetics. I was just trying to talk to someone about these shots, mRNA, 
when he had come for hepatitis and how insta- unstable he was. This is way before the vaccines. And this person who was like an art dealer wanted to kill me. Like this yeah. woman literally wanted to kill me. And I just realized early on, you know, this is not, I was just literally just discussing something interesting because I'm inter- interesting, you know, interested in science. So I realized right then that my job isn't to agree or disagree. I realized that I created more discord in that moment. That was on me. I can't say her. And in that moment, I realized like I have to really be in a place of peace and just emanate that. Now, if that means I got to be in the woods on a walk, it's that like I'm not going to choose to be around that person. That person was going to try to kick my ass for whatever reason. And it, it's really funny to me as a, you know, non-white person who had his house burned down while I was being called a sand nigger by the guy who burned my house down. It's amazing to me that like people of privilege want to like tell me or tell me down. Like, I don't understand. I'm like, shut the fuck up. I do understand. But <laughs> to say shut the fuck up is also wrong. And I say that just sort, sort of like, just it's my talking. Sometimes word. I realize, like, I got to hold that center, man. Like I fucked up me as a guy who, who, who tries his best to live his moment. I created discord. Now I'm not going to beat the shit out of myself. I just realized in that moment, it's like, well, I can't hang around this person. It's not nobody I knew. It was like, but it was a very good teaching moment. And this goes back to what I'm saying. We have to hold the center. Like, it's very easy to get pulled into it. Even trying to like, if you're trying to save a drowning person, you got to make sure you don't drown first. And on top of it, people enjoy this unconsciously. And, oh, and absolutely. Yeah. So then, yeah. you know, we have to go into like, so what can one do there? One has to really hold the center. I, I really believe this, man. I really believe one will be shown what needs to happen if one holds the center. I mean, I can sit here and just scare the hell out of you, or you can scare the hell out of me of everything we read and what's coming. But like, again, to me, this is just an externalization of what's been happening. I mean, I wrote Shadows on a Path When. This is just an externalization. The, read the last page of what I wrote in Shadows on a Path. The last page was literally about Mussolini calling, you know, another name for fascism is corporatism. Mm-hmm. Like everybody who read that book was politically inclined. was like, what the hell are you talking about? Because this is not, you know, I'm not a genius. See, this coming. Right. As someone who lived outside of the culture, who's like you as a student of history and reads a lot. This is just a given. This is just a given. But I'll say this to you. You can only go so far into power devoid of heart before becoming mad. And these systems are mad. These systems are becoming more mad. Right. And again, I can read to a certain amount. As soon as I lose my center, I got to step back. I'm like you. I'm, I'm interested. I read hyper left, hyper right. I'm, I just look at the whole picture, right? Uh-huh. But I know exactly the point where a part of me wants to get a little bit tweaked. Definitely then it's time to step away. Definitely the time is to go inside. I'm not talking about walking around with a smile on my, on my sister and home all the time. I'm, I'm the last person and I've seen too much shit to, to, to be that naive about things. But I know that I can't contribute anything, right? Yeah, Unless well, that's like- also, it's so easy to, you really have to catch yourself because you, you find, I think both particularly left and right mass media in the US have gotten so good at, I don't feel that they even convey information anymore, but keeping people in, um, giving people this this dopamine hit of of hatred, uh, uh, whatever it is that they're pointed at, and they they just repeat the same thing over and over again. Like for people on the right, oh. it's oh my god, transgender people. Uh, yeah, but it's, not, it's, it's not about information. No, so it's William, a, it's about flattering people's worst parts and keeping them yeah, in in servitude it's, 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 to the the source of that feeling. Yes, so it's darker than that, right? So William Casey, which was a CIA director in '81, he had said, um, "What did he say?" We'll know all our disinformation program is complete 
when everything the American public believes is false. That's right. Yeah. Right. So it's darker than just misinformation. When you have five companies, you know, literally everyone's seen these clips of the news, everyone's saying the same thing. It's not about news anymore. It's about keeping this energy going. So yeah, one again, the, like the thing is, I mean, it's like I feel like everyone knew that, particularly people on the left, that everyone would give lip service to that and everyone knows that and knew that intellectually. But as soon as this came down with um they, with, don't, they that, don't, it's it's all it's all gone. Now it's there everyone's back in the group trance of anger and you have to trust the media. I mean, and we're talking there. about people who were activists before, you right. know. Yeah, I hear you. Brother, no one was there. The thing I can tell you as a guy is when people says all day long, no one was there. Because if you really saw it, you know, I, I, I come across very few people who hold the center. Like we, we all have that um, bias that we step away from it. As long as you have that wounding inside, this is where the shadow comes in. There's always going to be, you're going to have to need someone to project it outside. Right. right? It's like, again, I'm a redneck, burn my house on. I'm not saying go love rednecks. I'm not going to like every redneck is like that. In a lot of ways, people who work the land, who I've met, I actually have way deeper connection than an intellectual who has amazing capacity for fascism. Mm-hmm. Right? So again, I'm just saying that Absolutely. there's no right or wrong here, but don't for a second believe that people saw that. If people saw that, they wouldn't be smoking this crack pipe. And the, unfortunately, the loudest people in the room are always people who are smoking a crack pipe. There are more people like us out there than you might imagine. That's my experience of doing the work. I agree with that. Although I also think that there really is something that even people, when people are put into a place of fear and survival mode, they just drop right down into the reptile brain. And, you know, it, well, that's it, all that higher work. thinking goes out, out the window. Well, fuck higher thinking. Higher think, all thinking is fucked. So <laughs> higher or lower thinking. You see what I'm saying? It's about the heart connection. Like the biggest fascists in the world who managed to murder the most people were the highest thinkers of the world. Yeah. Like the Nazis were like the highest yeah. educated. Yeah, populace. yeah, yeah, yeah. What they yeah. did to the look what they did to the freaking population of the world, man. Jesus Christ. I mean, like, so again, I, I'm not criticizing. It's just a matter of words are very important. It's not higher thinking. Thinking means is only safe when it's connected to the heart center. Right. We can criticize Trump as long as the heart center is connected. We can criticize Biden as long as the heart center is connected. So to me, I'm not surprised. For me, I've always seen, you know, the lefties be as crazy as the righties. Mm. As someone who a long time ago was a hardcore lefty and came from a hardcore lefty background. Yeah. I saw the fascism. I saw as a kid trying to talk to people and the, the stuff would come out of their mouth was no different than who, who quote unquote, they were fighting, which was the fascists. Like the fascist was a bad word when I was a kid and left was the right. And, you know, but it was kibbutzniks or, you know, like it was always like that righteousness. But holy shit, man, it's the same. Right. End of the day. So what differentiates is the heart center. And man, to have a heart center world is painful. This is also somebody no one talks about. It's not like you're all go happy, happy, go lucky. Like to have a tender heart in this world, you know, this world wants to crush you. No doubt about it. Well, that's the tricky bit. I mean, and and you're you're totally right. And people don't talk about this. It's kind of like people use this language in a way that it's like, oh, well, just be a good person. This is like gets boiled down to Instagram spirituality. But the the times in my life when I have been most, my heart has been most open. I've also been the most painful because the next thing that happens is now there's no boundary between you and other people's suffering, and it's overwhelming. That's 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 a center, man. So you got to be a real person. So I did the good person thing for a long time. Didn't work out too well. I just got more and more angry, more and more violent yeah. in my 20s. I mean, 
I think I might have said this to you last time we talked. There was a time, I mean, I've been a martial artist a long time. I gave up martial arts to be a good guy, to go with my, you know, new image as a healer. I was doing yoga and pranayama. I was becoming more and more psycho. It took me a couple of years to figure it out. I'm getting a street fight every two days. I realized that, God damn, I need that martial arts just to channel this rage somewhere to like and actually yeah, figure out how to i agree with that it, it, I'm, I'm the same way it's like it, we we need outlets for for aggression so, so to your point it's a very important point you brought up again and we always bring these beautiful points up you know it's about being real not good and when the heart starts opening up we also have to care for it the way you're caring for your puppy right like you go and you make sure they're okay and you put them in a the room like we have to have that same love and care for the inner child and men, we don't have that. And the level of rage that you see people having, only way you can be that angry, that hateful, that's how much you hate yourself and how much, how much anger you have towards yourself. That's a given. That has to be really looked at. You know what I mean? When I see people lose their shit on me or whatever, whether I've done something, I've done something, I always go in and first and foremost, I have to protect myself. And I can deal with it externally, but also for them, it's them. Like I don't have that kind of rage towards people anymore. And I did for a long time because I realized like, that's just me towards myself and the language. And anyway, when someone talks about someone else, if someone's an asshole, someone's an idiot, you say that word, that's exactly how you feel about yourself. Now I'm not saying you go around and kiss everyone. That's not what I'm saying. So the good person thing is important because spirituality is about being real, not good. Right. And you look at like a Nisargadatta or, you know, these cats were like badass, but they were the most compassionate. They were already awake. They didn't need to sit around and listen to like a jackass like me come in and ask 10,000 questions that I've heard 10,000 times. Right. But they do it. That's that. That's the kindness. But they also know when to be truthful. But we need to have that relationship internally. And again, the brainwashing, all that makes it hard. So the thing of others, there's like no we once we know it, we know there's a where people at. There's no game in that anymore. The game is like, how can I keep my center? And we can't do it for anyone else. I mean, you know, I've been in many long-term relationships. I've never been able to help one woman I ever lived with, right? <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm a master healer. And not only that, they, they, all these relationships, they end up in these disasters. These guys, like this guy's an asshole. You know what I mean? So, and rightly so, because what people need from us is a genuine us. And yeah, that's the person that can be in a relationship. They don't need the shtick. They don't need the good person. I'm just realizing at 60 that how much more I have to keep working at just being that real person internally with myself. I'm very good at it. At work, 100%. I can show up the best. Yeah, I'll fuck up once in a while. But I'm, I'm, it's like 40 years of practice I've had. When it comes to me with me, and I'm just offering that to you as your brother, is like give yourself more credit. The fact that you had the courage to do that. A lot of people don't have the courage even just to make that move. Give yourself more credit. And then it, it's, an, it's a process, it's not an event. It'd be great if it was an event. And again, it's not about being good, but even being real. You know what I mean? Like I have never, you have never willfully tried to fuck someone over. Truly, I try to do my best for people, right? That's not true for a lot of people. There are people that were really, they're so That's wounded, right. they want to hurt somebody else. So yeah. we learn, we stay away from those people the best we can, right? And again, what can you do for the outside, for the fascism? People still think Bill Gates is a great guy. People think World Economic Forum is their friend. Okay. They think like the president is their friend. Okay. Like, <laughs> how can I talk to you to that point? Like, that's fine. That's a very um, childish level of having a relationship with the world. I'm not going to like, I hug the woman that sells me my groceries, right? It's the old lady. I love her. She's a cashier. Like that hug, man. It's like, it's like for my week, that fills me my tank for a week. Just the that's sweetest, great. kindness. 
redneck, right? Like we're the most unlikely people to, to have that interaction. Like literally everyone's jaw drops when we hug each other. And it's like this genuine, like, wow, man, I miss you. Where were you, sweetheart, this week? And we give this big hug and she's wearing her mask. I'm not wearing a mask. We're just like, it's, to me, those moments, those are the moments where I'm like, yeah, this is work. Well, that's it. I mean, and I, I think for me, what I'm thinking, what's coming up for me as, as, you're, as you're saying this is sometimes it really is just as important. It, it is as simple as just making human connections with other people, whether that's you're saying uh, hugging someone. I mean, that's great uh, for me, like podcasting or just talking to people, talking to neighbors, making friends in the yeah. real world. And the thing about the, the thing about what we've been in been through is it's almost like calculated to completely isolate people from each other. I mean, it literally is and cut each other off and be, and be, and also to inculcate a sense of fear, which I feel as well, like everyone's afraid of each other. No one trusts each other. And so I think that is what needs to be overcome. And they're really, I mean, I'm sure you'd probably agree with me. Um, there's really not a whole lot you can do just by yourself sitting in a room. It, everything kind of well, happens in your interactions well, with other people. Well, a couple of things here. First of all, that's by design. Whether people, people have to really investigate that. Because what fascism does, it needs to instill fear to work. In order to instill fear to work, it needs to divide people. People as a yeah. group, when they're not divided, they do not have the same level of fear. So that was a genius part of it, right? But I disagree with you that sitting in a room doesn't do anything because I can tell you, I can run out there and be a do-gooder. I come from a do-gooder family. My father working for UNICEF, my mom a school teacher. I'm not saying myself as a healer, I can tell you, like, unless one comes from a centered place, that gooding, do-gooding stuff is just a, literally a band-aid for self in self. I'm not talking about do-gooding. Do maybe maybe a better way to put it is that your individual <laughs> your individual spiritual work, I feel, is it's like exercising at the gym, but where you're really on the spot is just in your interactions with other people. And I don't mean well, being a do-gooder. I yes. just mean actually well, no, being no. in relation with I'll, other people. I was just talking about being alone in the room, just being alone by oneself. I feel like that's, you're, you're right. But you know, right now one can do this work and then get on the internet in two seconds and get triggered. And if you're getting triggered, ah, there's a work, there's right. a part of me that has this feeling, or there's a part of me that has this fear feeling. I mean, for me, as a guy who's lived in these things, who's had his mother dragged out of bed by the secret police, like this is real stuff to me. I've been like railing about this stuff. And today, when I came to talk to you, I was like, I, it's very easy for me to go here. And I know me and you have similar minds. I was yeah, like, today I'm going to really just talk about this love piece, not love like <laughs> own. Love is like, man, yeah, we know that this is human history. Humans are, can be incredibly cruel, but also humans will take their shirt off their back. And take care of them. Humans will take a COVID puppy and love them. Like mm -hmm. that is the best in us. And every day, my choice is like, do I want to freak out about a Trump person or whatever, or Biden person or whatever? To me, all politics is bullshit. Yeah. And we're at a point where like, I cannot believe that no one's talking about like stopping this war. Instead of, you know, like my friend, like, oh yeah, send more weapons. Like these poor people are getting murdered. You think like, the U.S. government gives zero fucks about Ukraine or some poor Ukrainian kid that just lost his leg hmm. or her leg or some, you know what I mean? It's like when, quote unquote, we were the Democrats or our side was like the peace loving side. Like we're just shoving like <laughs> Yeah, I've been thinking about that too. It's like if you really think about that too, it was like, I mean, because I was brought up, you know, as a Democrat and it's just like. That's never like, and this was always the self image of the Democrats, but it's like, that's never been true. I mean, Kennedy started the Vietnam War, LBJ escalated it. That wasn't with Afghanistan. I mean, I, yeah. I, lived, I lived in Afghanistan at the time. Yeah. So that's the point. So, one of the gifts of this time 
is that the masks are coming off. So one of the gifts of this is <laughs> the masks are coming off. The other thing is you have to, you have, I have compassion on people because, for people, because especially as Americans who haven't lived through wars or things like that, you know, it's like that whole thing of horrible things of how they, you know, <laughs> our cruelty, how we like boil frogs. It's like as the water gets turned up slowly, we're not aware that we're being boiled, we're boiled up. So that's that people aren't really realizing that's what's going on. And that's a beautiful thing about this country. Beautiful thing about this country. I've never seen a kindness, for example, to pets that people have. Like no one else in the world people love that. That's, yeah, a, that's that, a good that, point. That's the kindness of the American people or the way they love their kids. Never mind. I know there's horrible shit. I'm not, I'm not naive. I've been a clinician for 40 years. Mm. But I'm saying there's a beauty in this culture. And there's a love in this culture. And there really is an openness in this culture. So I choose to focus on those things. For me, it's just that hugging with that woman is a perfect example. There's not two more unlikely people, man. I mean, I still dress like a psycho, right? I'm all dressed in black, going to my leather jacket to get my stuff in like a country <laughs> farm store. You know what I mean? Like I'm, and this woman hugs me. It's just the beauty of like, wow, that connection, that, that moment really makes up for these other things. And again, yes, we can do things. I'm with you. You're, you're a young guy. Again, I'm a lot older than you. We have to be in the world. You have to be in the world. But at the same time, we have to be in a centered state. And it is painful to have these illusions ripped off. It is painful to think, oh, we were on the right side as Democrats. And my God, we're no different than these Trump people, the way we're like, you know, screwing people to the wall because they have a different um, or, or we might or, or it could be worse in many ways. Well, 100 percent. And that's yeah. what I'm saying. So, again, it's not to, uh, you know, put lipstick on a pig, but again, to just we have to really get right with thinking connected to our heart. Like to me, this is the thing, the, the work, and it's not about perfection. You know what I mean? Like I can get triggered by something. We're all human. How fast are you going to recover from that? Am I going to be self-talking in the shower that morning about it? Or am I going to be like, oh, this is my little boy getting scared. And anytime these things come up, it is our inner child being afraid. That inner child is scared shitless, man. And we throw it under the bus every chance we get. You know what I mean? So that relationship is really important. And that's not a relationship one can teach. You have to come to your knees to go into that. You know, I find like decades of therapy, big proponent of it. I do it. I did it. It took all of that just to prepare me to have this relationship. Mm. Not that like, oh, isn't it great? I did 40 years of therapy. All of a sudden I got there. Like, no, that was just preparation. That was just preparation for this stage. Right? So that there is a gift in this time energetically where these things are so amplified that if one so chooses one can really go into a direct relationship with self. Well, I think that I I agree with you. And I think that that is important, not just for spiritual reasons, but, but reasons of survival. And as you might imagine, I've spent a lot of time in the last couple of years reading about the Holocaust. And um, one of the things not to dwell on that at all, or talk about the, the horrors of it. But one thing that is useful that I have learned is when they really broke down the numbers on, you know, everyone has this idea like, oh, like, you know, I wouldn't go along with it. Well, y- yeah, you would. Of course you would. Historically speaking, the only people that um, there were very, very, very few people that either resisted mass murder, either in under Hitler or or under Stalin. Um, and very, very far fewer people that sheltered people who were targeted for killing. But it turns out that the people that did do that tended to already be outsiders who already saw themselves as outside of the culture, like a woman who lived in the woods because she didn't like being around other people. Those tended to be the only people who actually did anything. And I think there's a really profound 
lesson there, especially for the t- for people like you or I or that listen to this podcast who are far more likely to be that type of person or at least lean well, in gotta, that direction. You're going to die first. So, so, so this is very important. First of all, something about someone Stalin, right? Stalin used to have pictures of people that he would have killed or his friend or allies scrubbed, right? Yeah, so he would have yeah, these yeah. pictures that and would before Photoshop also, he did a pretty good job. That's what I'm saying. Three. So now we're doing that with 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 like uh, Instagram and yep. Twitter. It's so interesting how we're doing the same thing. Now, it's what you're saying is really profound. It's really important. In order to do that, fear has to be faced, and in order for fear to be faced, you got to die. This is the thing that I always talk about. One has to sit. I had for years had a dying practice where I would sit and literally practice dying, mm-hmm. not in my head. Like I just got run over on my motorcycle. I'm on the side of the road. I'm bleeding to death. Mm. Really going to the terror of it. Wow. That, that's the choice between love and fear. And, you know, I used to treat Holocaust survivors when I mm. started practicing, right? I'm talking full on numbers on their mm. wrists. And they were already old then. This was in the Lower East Side. And, you know, I would constantly ask them. I was like, like, I just like, fuck, I just want to cry. Like, they were like, literally it was my neighbors turning me in. It, was like, it wasn't like, yeah, the SS would come. It was like my neighbors, people I've known for 50 years, people I've known my parents known for 50 years. I was five years old. You know, like, that's the thing. That's what we're witnessing. This is nothing new. But again, what is that does that, besides the shadow projection we're talking about, is the fear. And literally, one has to understand, the second you do something like that, you're dead. You're, you can never do that kind. And we're dying slowly with the hatred we throw at each other. This is real stuff. Your life force gets taken away. And there is nothing that's worth that. Your soul is at stake. Your soul is all you got. That's the part that we've forgotten. The, the, the genius of the system is the soul has become this funny word. It, these are real things, right? Self, whatever you want to call it. End of the day, the connection with self has to be fortified to that point. Right? And I love that. People always like, I would be one of those people. Like, I look at them, I'm like, ah, I don't see that. <laughs> I don't see that. It takes tremendous, these are tremendous courage. Well, one gift of the pandemic is uh, I think we've all seen pretty clearly who would be that person and who wouldn't. Uh, Totally. And and (laughs) I'm telling you, like, it was such a heartbreak for him with quote unquote spiritual teachers. I would hear from my patients, you know, I ran into blah, 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 who's like a profound, you know, uh, this kind of teacher and like, you know, screaming at someone for this. And I just was like, my God, like, have we lost our collective mind? And I had to remind myself, no, we never had a collective mind. This is, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like literally we have, and it's no one's fault. This system has designed, but who is the system? We give the system juice by willfully remaining unconscious. Well, we, I mean, this is something I wanted to talk about earlier. It's like, you know, it's easy to say, oh, well, this is all Bill Gates, like, you know, like laughing and twiddling his thumbs, but you know, we are the system. You there know, you we go. put these people in That's power. The, so they are, is, you know, these supposed, one thing that I, I learned in doing some magical work was that a long time ago was I had the realization that everyone carries around this shadow projection form in their mind of those people, the people who are secretly controlling the world. And, and most tragically, that can right. be projected onto people or ethnic groups. But that is a projection of us. It's part of our own shadow, this idea of these shadowy Illuminati people controlling everything. It's like, that's just our own mind talking to itself. I mean, yeah, there are definitely people with power in the world, but you know, I, I uh, hopefully I'm going to have back on Doug Rushkoff soon, who wrote this great article um, where like the richest people in the world 
called him into a room and he thought they wanted him to talk, talk to them about technology, but they were all terrified of what they call the event. And they're building these underground shelters in New Zealand and hiring private security for when everyone comes after them, you know, so they're just, they're, they're terrified too. Well, that's what I'm saying. This is the part fear begets fear begets fear. Mm. End of the day, this is an amazing opportunity. We've had many of these opportunities. Like, do you choose love? Do you choose fear? And that is a personal daily battle and it is a freaking battle do i choose do i choose fear do i choose love and it's not easy and it's got nothing to do i've literally sat in rooms and i've said this many times before where people worth like serious zero zero millions mm, of money yeah and they were just as freaked out as i was <laughs> and i realized like no no judgment on them i get it like yeah if you're busy collecting and i've been with people who literally have don't don't have two pennies to rub together who have no fear yeah when Same. I lived in a teepee, I had no fear. There was nothing, I had nothing to lose. What are you going to do? Like, like, I'll always survive. When I have a home, when I get a mortgage to pay, this, the fear comes up. So that's a daily practice of sitting because we're all scared shitless. Mm. I do not believe anyone who says they're not. The question is, how aware of your, of your anxiety? How aware of, of, of your fear? And then daily, as you, as one gets really interacted with the world, how do you keep that going? And again, end of the day, man, it really is the most important thing right now is that one is in that frequency of centeredness and keep that. Now that's difficult. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's difficult for me living with myself in the middle of nowhere. It's harder if you have an animal, harder if you have a partner, harder if you have a pet, harder if you have, you know what I mean? Like it is difficult. So we're not waxing poetic here, but at the end of the day, what are the options? There are no options. You know, the system I always say is like way outguns you way out, mm -hmm. you know, on that level. But that system is built by people who really heart disconnected. Why do you need control? When is it enough? It'll never be enough. You can shove everyone in these algorithm prisons that we're all, you know, sleepwalking into, and it still won't be enough. Well, but right? even then, I mean, it's, it's a, you know, one thing that I remind myself of sometimes is as easy as it is to blame the kind of parental projection parental projection of quote the system it's like well you know what's it going to look like if that system what's on the other side of that system you know well it, chaos the, thing, the, 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 the system is us yeah the system we don't want the system to collapse it's it's you know well, no, then, then the it gets is, like nazi germany and the thing is the system will collapse because what i what i foresee is there's going to be small communities forming there's no way this behemoth can actually go they can't control it they, there's an illusion of control okay go digital go do this stuff it's like it is, it, they don't have that kind of control. Like no one's talking about this weird weather stuff. These freaking people have been doing this geothermal uh, geoengineering with the weather, right? There's a level of aluminum in my patients was like hundreds hundreds folds going up the last 10, 15 years. It took me a while to realize like, my God, they're spraying the stratosphere. This stuff's all out there. If you talk about it, you sound like some crazy person. This is like Dr. Strangelove stuff. We have no idea. This incredibly mm. intricate system, which is this biosphere. They're up there freaking just running jets and just spraying stuff to try to reflect the sun back. Like no one understands. Yeah, did you did you hear Bill Gates plan to block out the sun with black black particles in the atmosphere? But the thing is, they're already they've already been doing this crazy stuff for decades now. I mean, I just mm. saw it with like these like levels of aluminum in the environment, like thousands of fold. Like I'm on Shasta. This stuff is out there. So my mm. point being, like, it is an illusion. They're doing crazy shit. They that's an aspect of us that's doing this crazy shit. Unless we have a relationship with self, literally this stuff will continue because what's happening is we're getting more and more into this hyper-individuation. Hyper-individuation is what's killing us. Now, it's not about running around hugging every person like a hippie. I'm not saying that. But 
There is a piece where individually we have to take center. Once you get that center, you'll be guided if you need to do something. No, I Truly. I agree with you. And I think one of the things I, I was thinking of right as the pandemic began is, is, and I'm not making a literal statement with this, but the whole thing of social isolation, social distancing, all of that, this was just an exaggeration of the trajectory people that were going into anyways. Because before that, people were just on their phones, ignoring each other, trying to get away from each other anyways. And then this is just a more extreme state of it. And that's why I think that, that, uh, why I'm saying that connecting with other people uh, in the real world is is the most important thing. No, absolutely. I'm with you. But... Well, but not but and to, to your <laughs> point like 100 what you're saying people were already there mm-hmm. like i was you know my my last days in new york before i came up i would you know go to a dinner with a friend and like they were on the phone i'm yeah. like hey yo yeah yo, what's up yeah yeah here? you know what i mean like but you know i'm an, I'm an old guy like i i was raised without phones I, I'm, I have compassion for people who are addicted to these things but that this is nothing new we were heading this way so my point is also we're not just victims of this this is a sign this is a reflection of the disconnect. So first and foremost, we have to connect or simultaneously we connect and then we connect with people. No, of course we're not victims of it. I mean, if we were, if, if the, the population were victims of all this social control, they would have rejected it in mid 2020, but they didn't. Everyone doubled down on it and became little enforcers of it because human beings love the opportunity to be cruel for other people and it to be okay. That's the genius of it. Right. That's a gen- I mean, one of the things with the whole Internet thing was the meanness that people would have by writing emails or like posting comments because their face wasn't on it. Right. So that really allowed this ugliness to yeah. come out. So that. Again, is that so we can go down this rabbit hole. So what are the solutions? The solution is what we're talking about. You doing your podcast, you're getting called to do a podcast, right? Like that's your work. You might think like, what am I doing? That's a huge thing. I've listened to podcasts that really changed trajectory, would open my heart. I'm like, God, oh, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Others like-minded others. And yes, absolutely. I'm all about community. But community has to first and foremost come from a self that's not out to punish, that's not out to fix, that's not out to be good. It's out to be real. And then we interact with the world. And there's a part where like, this is also part and parcel of our evolution. Right. Like we are also part and parcel of this. The question is, what do we this is always we've always had a choice. Every day we have a choice. Every moment we have a choice. Do I become more bitter by this person acting like this or do I actually keep it to my integrity? Don't be a victim. Take accountability and work with it. That doesn't mean I answer every cycle that's being psycho on me. I really look at it. I take accountability and then I got to protect myself to a certain level. It's all of those things. It's not just one thing or another. And also, our way isn't somebody else's way. I've had so many people that I would consider frauds, right? Spiritual teachers mm. that people have had massive shifts from. And I realized <laughs> even, you know, like not early on, I would say mid practice, I realized like I can't even pass judgment on that. Well, like, I, I have thoughts about that. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, a spiritual teacher is just a prop for somebody else to wrap their story around. You know, it's like they, that they want to have an experience. The spiritual teacher just happens to be the useful thing to bounce it off of. Well, well absolutely. I'm, that, that's a given. I'm just saying more like we don't even know. We only know what's good for us. I can make a suggestion to you. You can make a suggestion to me. I'm saying like there literally been people that I would look at it, but like, this guy has, or this person has no information that would be useful. I just feel they're not living it, but I've had patients who've interacted with that person. I've had profound shifts. Mm-hmm. So it worked for them. So I'm just saying like, we don't even know what's good for someone else. We just know 
internally, keep our center, try the best not to be in a judgmental space because that's really about us, not the other person. Hmm. And as best as we can be in that center while holding the fact that we're all humans, we're going to fuck up. We're going to do stuff that's not pretty. And even there, have forgiveness, you know, take accountability the best we can, but also not go into a shit kicking mode. Like I'm a piece of, I can't believe that, I can't believe that, you know, yeah. or the way some, which so many narcissists do is like, nope, nothing to do with me. And that's all you, you're an asshole. You did this, you did that. Well, this is probably going to be an unpopular statement with a lot lot of listeners, but I, particularly in the last two, three, maybe longer years, I really have begun to appreciate Christianity on another level. I mean, you talk about humanity going through the dark ages. Well, yeah, they were going through the dark ages and they were awful, but they also had Christianity and they actually believed it, which is something that we don't have now. But, um, but just the, just the simple wisdom of, you know, for, of, of forgive me as I, I've forgiven others, like having to forgive other people so that God forgives you. Um, I mean, that's huge. People don't understand Christianity, Christ, the teaching that we know was the first one that said, turn the other cheek before that was I for people don't understand. how. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and that's so huge. I mean, I've talked to people who, uh, and I've actually employed people who've come from cultures where, they've been back and forth in clan warfare for 400 years because somebody stole a cow 400 years ago and two families are still trying to kill each other to this day. It's like, that's, that's kind of the natural state of people. I think this is like blood vendettas and, uh, we don't, yeah, I think people underestimate the, the positive, not just Christianity, but Christianity, Mahayana Buddhism, and some of these religions brought to the world. You're talking about having an internal compass, not having an internal compass till one has one's own compass and external internal compass is very helpful to at least keep us right mm-hmm. to keep us on some track. That's the thing till one has an internal compass then you don't need it. But that's really, really important. But again, also people can use those things as sort of uh, window dressing, right? While they're doing these other things. I remember like years ago, buying a, buying a race bike side on scene from a very deeply Christian person who her whole page was like about, you know, quotes and Deuteronomy and this and that. And then, you know, buying this like totally wreck of a bike. And I was like, yeah, what do you think? So, so the point being, well, that's not, I mean, that's not a I know, Christianity. I know. I mean, that's yeah. No, I'm, my, my point is like anything can become a shtick. Absolutely. We, we need internal compasses. So I don't think you, actually, I think you're not going to be as unpopular with that comment. I feel like because we've lost that internal compass and we don't have the internal compass of self, that's where these things get really, really wacky. Well, I think that having an internal compass is is obviously critical. It's very hard to develop. And I do think that just pragmatically speaking, particularly for the majority of people, and I don't think that this is a bad thing. One of the reasons why people are so deeply wigged out on so many levels is because they don't have a script to follow. And I think that in the past, people at least when people had guidelines and it wasn't just figure it out, even the guidelines of Christianity or whatever it was, I think that people find that very deeply soothing to, to have like rules to follow and not have to reinvent the wheel themselves. And I think one of the things that frankly makes um, spiritual people uh, very stressed on a certain level is, is quote unquote, spirituality gives you the burden of having to reinvent the wheel yourself out of patchwork <laughs> from various different teachings. And it's just, it, you can run yourself in circles. Uh, it can I'm be very say, frustrating. We're saying the same thing. I'm mm. saying, I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying yeah. it's really important to have some kind of compass in these kinds of times till one develops that internal, that internal takes a long time. Yeah, it does. Develop. It does. You know, so that part it of it can take some your people, whole life, you know, well, it takes your whole life. And, 
you know, I'm sure someone was not wounded. I've never come across them in 40 years of practice, but if someone's <laughs> not wounded, maybe they vibrate in that frequency. But in my experience, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think any of it. And I find a lot of us, because we don't have that internal compass and don't have the external compass, that also brings this sort of real sense of uh, desperation, right? Yeah. And consumption has yeah. taken the place. I yeah. mean, that's the genius of the system. Again, consumption became the religion. Right. That that became the religion. And then all the horrific things that came out of the church and all that, that kind of put the nail, nail in it. But, but I do see people who have religious connections, whether they're Muslims or they're mm-hmm. like Christians. I see them definitely have more peace in their life. There's no doubt there, yeah. there's a level of that. And that's a surrender to higher power. Right. There's a surrender to higher power there where we're not taking the burden of the world on. So again, it might not even be religion though. I mean, I think that just, yeah, yeah, for, just for yeah, people whatever. to have general like rules and expectations of what they're supposed to do in life and the roles they're supposed to play with other people. We don't really have that as much anymore either. And that also, also deeply stresses that. people out. Yeah. And to me, that's by design too. To mm. me, that's by design too. This is a okay. part of it. There's like a genius and by design, I'm not just saying there's like a, you know, big fat guy smoking a cigar in the background. <laughs> although there's, that, that's real too. Yeah. But I'm saying that like the more we abdicate our power, the more these things form. And wait till this AI stuff gets unleashed. I mean, that's totally the unconscious being unleashed. And I love how people talk about AI like it's this, you know, sentient being. It's like just people's no. unconscious that program that stuff, man. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you th- what do you think all the cruelty we do to each other? What do you think these things are going to be capable of? Yeah. So again, that stuff. But now, it's really important that the more we go down this rabbit holes or or say things the way they are, it's really important to constantly then ground. Big news. Yeah, I mean, ground, feel your feet. It's not about losing hope. It's about losing your center. Like, it's very easy to get anxious and feel this stuff. So we're talking about this stuff. It's nice to talk to a like-minded other. At the same time, as we're talking right now, whoever's listening, drop your breathing down. Feel your feet. Literally, in this moment, with everything that's going on, fully let's be present together. I'm hearing your voice. You're, you're in your body, your puppy's in the other room. I'm watching the snow outside as I'm talking to you, mm. right? I want to I read you a little uh, little saying by Shamsa Tabrizi, my okay. homeboy from uh, yeah. Iran. So just to, just to something I was sitting with today. So this is um, Rumi's teacher? Yep, yep, yep. Shams, Shams. Uh, try not to resist the changes which come your way. Instead, let life live through you. And do not worry that your life is turning upside down. How do you know that the side you're used to is better than the one to come? Try not to resist the changes which come your way. Instead, let life live through you. And do not worry that your life is turning upside down. How do you know that the side you're used to is better than the one to come? I mean, just feel that in your heart, man. Right. I know for myself, so many times of my life taking these very painful turns and like something else was revealed. Mm. Would I ever want to go through those pains? God, no. But in that moment of desperation, in that moment, as a six year old, I can be like, there is an intelligence here. It's got my back. There is an intelligence here. It's got my back. As long as I'm in my heart, it's got my back. It doesn't look the way my ego wants it. But fuck, if I ever got what my ego wanted, he said a thousand times over 10,000 years ago. So yeah. you know, thank you for that. Right? So again, this is the part of like holding the humanity. Holding the humanity. 
again, that's easier to say than to do, but that's, there's no choice but this. But we have to, I mean, because we're in a situation where I feel that, I feel that holding your humanity is not just a, 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 a nice and healthy thing to do, but it's also a profound statement of resistance because we do live in a time where people see humans as useless eaters or numbers to be moved around or an equation to be solved. You know, there was this guy, um, Yuval Harari or something like that. It works for this guy, right? Yeah. I think I forget who he works for, but there's some interview with him where, you know, he's talking about he's a prophet of world economic economic forum. Yeah. And there's some uh, interview with him where they're, he's saying they're, they're saying like, well, you know, most people aren't going to be able to participate in the AI economy and they're just going to be kind of useless. And what are we going to do with them? And he's like, well, you know, there's computer games for them. They can sit around, play video games. Oh, I love how people actually think he's this gifty humanity. When he, because I've been following his, his Homo sapien book was very interesting. But the level of fascism yeah. that this guy spews and everyone claps like yada yada, how amazing! So yeah, this is the point. So <laughs> this is what people don't understand, right? The whole extermin- extermination of you know the people that Nazis did. That philosophy came from the U.S. Nobody yeah, really yes, nobody that. likes to think about that. The, the about philosophy, that, the techniques. Up. They they learn. You remember? You remember that uh, that anti drug ad in the eighties where the kid says to his the kids on drugs, the parent confronts the kid, and the kid's like, "I learned it by watching you." <laughs> yes, that's yes. the deal. Right. Yeah, I used to laugh at that. Yeah, so here we go. So I'm saying we're also living. We we have been living in a culture of fascism. It's just been exported, and it's been slowly being turned on us. Now it's going to be fully turned on us because there's yeah. no us and them. This, this, there is no, you know, it's, it, it's. Well, they don't need us anymore. You know, it. like it's, that's or it. they don't that's think it. they do, but I, I, well, there you go. but, but yeah, the day, the, these people are delusional. They think they're going to like be served by robots or something. And, and well, it's just ridiculous. It is ridiculous. But the biggest ridiculous part is that end of the day, love is truly the glue that keeps us together. The reason all these fascist cultures and societies have fallen apart, because when you take the love out of it, it's literally natural law. The glue is real. Now, mm. I'm not a new agey guy. I've seen horrors in my world. But when I say this, I'm not like, oh, wow, man, like I'm the last <laughs> guy who's going to say that. At the same time, I can tell you, this is where this love piece is important. The love that you have for that puppy, that changes the world. Literally, mm. literally. Mm. It is ultimately about that experience, Right. So these are words that don't mean anything unless we put them into effect. But at the end of the day, it really comes about self-love. And people don't understand. Narcissism is self-hate. It's not self-love. So when you say self-love, this culture doesn't even understand what that means. Because what we think self-love is, is like some narcissist with 10,000 followers on some blah, blah, blah platform that like does something. No, no, that's just self-hatred. That's really self-hatred. Well, maybe even starting from... a. a, a less overwhelming concept like self-patience or self, um, maybe even self-forgiveness is a lot, but maybe just like self-patience is a good place to start, I start from. I love you saying that. Self-patience is huge. I mean, self-patience, because what is that? The anxiety is driven because we never felt safe. So self-patience is beautiful, what you just said. That is such a profound place. Self-forgiveness, man, that, that is like at the end of the uh, end of the road. That's <laughs> tough. Self-forgiveness Much harder deep. than forgiving other people, I think. Very much so. Yep. Very much so. Yeah. At the end of the day, and we have this perfectionist thing, which is like really unfortunate. And because we didn't feel safe at a young age, we put on the perfectionist mask. And then nothing kills you more than a perfectionist mask. And mm-hmm. we all have it to some extent. Mm-hmm. 
right? It's like we all have some some aspect of that. We have these like weird ideas of humanity and how we have to be this. And we, the, the, the amazing thing about our culture, about all cultures, we project anything we don't accept in ourselves and then we kill it in that person. Yeah, yeah, that's and it. We, yeah. And that's we never the whole have story of the horror of planet Earth there right go. there. There you go. There you go. So again, we're here. We've chosen to be incarnated at this point. We all have our parts to play. We all play for the same team. End of the day, all dark serves a light. Yes, we have to be very conscious of our mind and of our souls because the powers that be, which is the unconscious aspect of ourself, really, that we project out to a Bill Gates or whatever, that hole will never get filled. Our job is to really start having that relationship with self, to complete self. And as things start falling apart, we will be guided. Each of us has a part to play here. Right. Each of us has part to play and we have to face the fear. Like I would say the death practice is really important. Mm. Really face the fear. Yeah. Where did, I'm curious about that. Where did you get to with that? And how did, how did your thinking change around that as that went on? And how long did you do that for? That sounds like so, some interesting experiences happened there. Um, you know, when I had my awakening experiences, I had a, several of them. One of them, like I was so scared was in my early 20s because I, I realized that the spiritual awakening is about dying, right? And of course, it wasn't completed. Um, but the fear of death, I was like, wow, the biggest fear I have is fear of dying. And I realized like that's the thing. And being around a lot of dying people, the first person I held in my arms that died was I was 16 years old. Mm -hmm. So I've been around death from a very young age. So I realized like I need to practice. Now, Ramana Maharshi was my homeboy. Like I loved him and he died mm -hmm. in the 50s. The way he woke up is he sort of had this dying um, experience, right? And had this awakening. So I sort of did this for years where I would literally lie down and practice dying. And I would work with dying people like my age, uh, like my brothers, but my patients, which was so brutal. Um, I would come home and practice dying. I was in so much pain because these, these guys were my age or a year older, a year younger that were dying. Mm -hmm. So I would come home and just practice laying down and dying. And I did that for years. And it wasn't like some, and, and I wouldn't go into a story. It wasn't like, and those times I could see things, I, entities like angels, like I didn't do any of that shit. I was like, no man, like, let's just say it's, it's dead. It's over. Right. To this day, anytime where fear comes up, I go like, this is about the fear of dying. It's not about the fear of losing mm -hmm. my home. It's not the fear mm -hmm. of losing my health. It's a fear of dying. We all have it. The way you become the guy that doesn't turn that person into the Nazis that actually hides them and says, fuck you, you don't go through me to get to them. That's not some macho thing. That's when you're already dead. Yeah. And that means that you can also fully live. You know what I mean? So yeah, I agree just, with you. And everyone says like, I'll do it. It's like, no, you, we, 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 unless you have that fear, that's the only fear a fascist system has over you. That's the only fear. Like you face that fear, man, nothing can touch you. Now, that's a daily practice. I'm not saying we'll get run over, or get shot. I'm not saying that. Well, I think that, that uh, particularly in my time as a wandering itinerant, I mean, uh, it's, it's somewhat easier to feel at least that you've overcome your fear of death um, when it's just you. But I, I think that one of the ways that, or the, actually the most obvious way that people are controlled in this society is that they have people that they're responsible for. I mean, people, somebody, I, I would say like actually particularly a, a lot of people are not necessarily afraid of dying at all, at all, but they are afraid of 
there are kids dying or people in their or their loved ones dying or people in their care dying and um and 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 at that point it doesn't matter you're even you know you can be doing the amount of i think um cruel things that people do in the feeling that well i need to at least i need to make sure that my kids are protected i mean that is also a a major mechanism that's beyond just the individual and that's an expression of love in a way you yeah, know. but those are separate things. Those are separate things. That's true. That's definitely true, right? But everyone has this fear of death. I've never come across someone who doesn't have that fear of death. And it's unexamined. It's not that one bypasses it or heals it. Just sitting with it. When you sit and learn to tolerate the terror, that's the healing. Over time, it gets less and less. And as one gets older, if one's lived a full life or whatever, but the, the I don't know, man. I, I, I hear you, but I also suspect that I think people are way more afraid of um, their loved ones dying than themselves. I mean, and this is uh, perhaps yeah, not yeah. controversial. Well, that's because, because they're not underneath the car bleeding to death and they're not dying of AIDS and they're not dying of cancer. Trust but even me, so, I mean, so many people would, would willingly sacrifice themselves for their children. I, I hear that. I'm not, this is, I'm, I'm talking, we're saying the same thing. I'm not getting into an argument here. It's just my experience as a clinician is my experience as someone who sits with stuff. These are true, but those are also true. Those things can coexist. I wouldn't say it's one or the other. Sacrifice. Yeah. That the gift of sacrifice for a child, the gift of sacrifice for another, the gift of sacrifice. That's when humanity actually really steps up. But that doesn't mean there's not fear that that in that moment, one chooses. But at the end of the day, man, like everyone's anxious. I see people sitting with their kids looking at their phones. Yeah. Like that is an anxiety. That's not at that moment sacrifice. I can, I, I hear what you're saying in that moment. Yes, we can do that. But if you're sitting there on the phone, like I see every time I'm outside, where there's an adult my age, you know, with a little younger than me on the phone while the kids are just like also on the phone, like that, that's, that disconnection comes from somewhere. There's, there's no relation there. Right. So that anxiety has to be looked at. That anxiety, end of the day, we are living in terror. That terror has to be faced moments at a time. You don't want to jump out the window, but we have to make friends with that. So it's not, I'm just saying as a practice, that's an important thing. And it's not, one can generalize. It's my experience. I've been around a lot of people in a lot of people's heads for a long time. Um, I have never seen that, you know, like that no one has that fear. And once you face it, it's very simple. It's like daily practice, sit with it. It, it literally just dissipates. It just needs to be acknowledged. That little boy, that little girl, that little child just needs to be acknowledged. It doesn't need to be fixed. It doesn't need to be, it just needs to be acknowledged. And want to say fear of death, if that's a wrong word, just the terror of living, like you yeah. are in terror. Well, you know, like, like Charles Manson said, uh, you know, people think they're afraid to die. Sometimes I think they're scared to live or something like that. Exactly. I think that the, the, the pain, just the raw pain of living is probably much more frightening and terror inducing for people than death. Because when you're dead, you're dead. You know, yeah, like, so what? hundred percent, but, but I, I can't let this one go, brother. It's like, when you're dead, you're dead. It's that moment leading to death, which is that, whether you live a full life is 80 years leading to death, which is very painful. Mm. Is the last 10 minutes leading to death. It's, you know, I've seen a lot, I've held a lot of people in my okay. arms. That died. And it's, what, what is, what is your, so let's focus on that though. So in your experiences of being with people in those final moments, what, what is it that you have experienced and, and seen? Well, First of all, my experience was that I just need to sit and hold space. You want to see fear of death? I've been in hospitals where literally during the AIDS days, people are on their last, literally maybe last 24, 48 hours of life, Mm -hmm. like emaciated, have lost 50 pounds or on like IVs. 
Doctors walk in. Hey, Bobby, you look great today. Like that right there just tells you where we're at culturally. Yeah. If I had a dollar for every time I've seen that, I'd be a billionaire. These are not assholes. They're yeah. not mean people. They mean well. Well, They're our so culture also hides death completely. It tries to sweep why? it under the carpet. Yes, but, so well, the culture hides yeah. it because it's afraid of it. Yeah. What I'm saying, so, so we are more afraid of it than a culture where death was a natural part of it. 100% your point's well taken and agreed upon. So even more so because of our culture. But forget about it. We, we, we're terrified of it. You understand half of our gazillion dollar, literally up to half of our gazillion dollar healthcare, quote unquote, which is like really death, <laughs> which is like illness profit, yeah, yeah. is spent in the last 10 days of someone's life. Like the stats might be, but that's really? always been like that for the last 20, 30 years. Like a really? Chunk of our huge chunk of our, uh, of money. Why, spending, why is it so, I mean, other than, I mean, what, other than morphine or something like that, why? Oh, 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 it's all the heroic, what we call heroic medicine, because we see death as a failure. We see death as the enemy. Yeah. Right. So, and, and it, it, it torments people. I mean, I've seen people's lives just get, it would be so much easier if you just let them die a natural death. Yeah, like literally, yeah, that unless someone also. does DNR, yeah. do not resuscitate. They will go and resuscitate. And yeah, there's a financial motive, but it's deeper than that. It's like this is the cultural imprint of our abject terror of that. And I love what you said about Charles Manson. Yes, we're actually. You, I would say it differently in Charles Manson. I would say if you if you're afraid of dying, you actually are afraid of living. Yeah, not that you run towards death. That's psycho. I'm not saying you should wishful think death, but unless you have a relationship that you are finite in this body, whatever your spiritual understanding is, the body is finite. As long as you can do that, then you can live more fully, right? You can actually live more fully. So I would say it's, it, these things are interconnected. So would you say that when you were working with people who were dying in those last 10 minutes, do you feel that the majority of them were afraid or, Absolutely. or what? Yeah. Absolutely. And how did and that, people, how did that look? How did that manifest? Painful, painful. It manifested painfully. People die the way they live. I can say that. People who live really fully. Now, I was also with these young kids who were like, it was horrific, man. It was horrific. And the AZT, the drugs that, mm. thank you, Mr. Fauci. Yeah, that, Fauci. You know, yeah. The, the most toxic freaking, I mean, horrendous that these people are landing in jail. But anyway, like it was horrendous. So it was very, very painful. But I've also been around older people who were having that horrific thing. Now, as someone who's shamanically is trained like people's souls, um, you know, body, mind, whatever you want to call this thing would get stuck in between worlds. And once you leave, you shed the body, there's no time. So there was also that thing in helping people cross over. Like these things are all part and parcel of it, but the terror is that. So to me, that is a shamanic journey, right? It's a shamanic journey to actually learn to die while living as a practice. So much like there's, there's very deep cultures, whether the Egyptians or the, Tibetans uh -huh. who have that, uh, you know, practice of the Bardo state, the practice of the Bardo state. So, you know, when death comes that you can cross over. Yeah. There's like practices around. Yeah. That. So it's profound. not culturally, you know, part of us. Right. Hmm. So again, I have um, stuff on my website on it. It's a chapter on my book on it. It's literally simple. I mean, just lay down and just feel, just, just get in touch with that. That can be a helpful thing. That can be a helpful guide. And like, I know we're, we're having such an upbeat podcast. Like it, it wasn't depressing enough. Now I do a little death practice. Like, hey. <laughs> hey, that <laughs> is, a, that is upbeat for me. That's me. But what, but it actually is upbeat because yeah. it makes life tasteful. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, well, I it's literally real. Wake up you know, it's real. It's, it's not bullshit. I just put my hands up in the air. I'm like, it's going to be a great day today. 
not as like some bullshit new agency. I'm like, I want to make today count. And mm-hmm. it's like, there's nothing I'll put on a great record. You know, I'll, I'll listen to music. I'll sit and do my little practice. I'll sit down and just literally just be like, man, today I'm going to tolerate this anxiety a little bit better, a little bit fully, not even better. Fuck that word. A little bit more fully, which is more correct. Mm. And it just gets easier. And then, then I'm not desperate. Then my actions are more clean I'm more clear towards myself. And if I'm clear towards myself, then I'm more clear towards outside people while knowing everything that's going outside. And again, I say this to everyone. It's really important, especially if you're in, in the world and not like me and you as these kind of monk existence. Like it's very <laughs> important to modulate how much you're taking in. This stuff affects you way more than you realize. You mean the, the news media? The news. Yeah. It's yeah. the news. Any platform you know, TikTok, I don't care, Instagram, mm-hmm. whatever. These things are designed by the smartest people to keep you off your center. This is just how it is. So literally, like, even if you do the first hour of your day, not be on it. Force yourself not to be on it. Yeah. Force yourself not to be on it. Because it pulls you out of yourself, right? It pulls you out of yourself. And it has a, a physiology, but also has effects on your soul. There is a war on for the soul. No joke for real. It's your job to tend to your soul. You give your soul two seconds, it'll give you back billions. Right? It's, it's, it's that generous. But man, it needs that two seconds. It can't totally be disconnected. Right? And if we have time to like bitch about this or bitch about that, we've got to be like, yeah, where was my attention today? Did I have a meeting with my soul? Because if Abdi or Jason has a meeting with their soul, man, this world will be a better place for it. That 100% I can tell you. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Me in one nowhere. Me in bumfuck middle of nowhere. Never mind that it'll affect all my patients that I love dearly and close to my heart, like my soul family. Even the ones I haven't seen in 30 years or the ones that I helped pass over or they, 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 they had the kindness to allow me to help them pass over, which is a more correct way of saying it. You know, it really is real. There's no time. It's all happening simultaneously. For all the things we've done quote unquote wrong that's harmed others in the moment that we have that connection that sets that right too. really, mm. really. So this is part is important. Mm. One thing that I love about what you're saying, what you've been saying is just, uh, that reminder that we are all connected even in isolation and that what we do, like you're saying, you know, even caring for a dog or something, it's like, that is the, the, the saving of the world. You know, it that, is. Yeah. that is the truth. Yeah. That is the truth. I think this so. Is the thing. One, one of the, one of the sort of the gifts of what's happening, we've become so hyper individuated that we've come so far the other way that we're about to drop onto the other side of union. But separation is an illusion. When again, when Buddha says, when you get angry, it's like picking up a piece of hot coal to throw at someone, meaning you burn your hand first. Yeah. That's real. That's not some cute thing of saying when Jesus says, turn the other cheek, that's real. Right. When the saying of, I, 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 you know, I, I send you as sheep among wolves, it's not go get eaten by a wolf. It's like you can be a wolf, but also be smart about it. Part of that smartness is like make an a, a, a appointment every day with yourself, with your soul, even just momentarily. There's so much joy there. There's so much joy there in yeah. the midst of all this. I'm a big believer in that. Obviously, you know, like people, I, I teach magic. I talk, talk about magic. I mean, the central idea of magic is that what... Y- actions that you take can affect the world. And that's the deepest way that you do it. But I think in particularly in the last few years, uh, just having gone through just the pure cortisol adrenaline burn down of 2020, um, I really have been thinking about this a lot in a deeper way, just the, 
just forgiveness and patience in the sense of like, I've had experiences in the last several months where um, I've gotten into confrontations with people or people have ripped me off for money uh, or things like this. And it's just like, you know, I just like in the, in that moment, like before I would have gotten so furious, but it's like, well, like this is bad, but um, you know what? I actually am going to just forgive this person and turn the other cheek. And actually that's actually profoundly useful, not in the sense of, oh, I'm a good person, but it just, it, it just stops the, it stops the quicksand for it stops it going forward and now getting even worse. And it stops you from shredding your own, um, yes. being. This is, this is, this is what I'm saying. This is a real thing. That's so it's profound. Very real. Said, it's, it's really, just, yeah. if, if people take one thing from this podcast is what you said, self-patience. I love self-patience. I love that. What you said. We, we're so impatient with ourselves because all this other stuff comes from impatience with self. And it's about self-patience, right? And self-patience then really leads to self-kindness and gentleness. We're brutal on ourselves. Yeah. We're brutal on ourselves. Usually it's the people who seem try to be nicest to everyone else that are the most hurtful to themselves. Well, yeah, well, what was that uh, Tolstoy? So it was a Tolstoy, I believe he said, you know, the people that need the most love are the hardest to love. Hmm. Right. I mean, that's a, that's a real thing. Now, you know who's hardest to love is ourselves. <laughs> that, that's the hardest one to love is ourselves. I always yeah. used to think about others and you know, always try. I was like, no, man, the hardest person to love is yourself. You know, like not when you're being nice to your puppy, not when you've helped another person. It's like literally just like, man, just have some compassion on this person, this, this you know, meat suit with his soul inside of it, with all his flaws, with all the fucked up thing is done. And not because it's done something kind. No, that's a hustle. Just the kindness. And then out of that, it just, you become that perfume. You emit that perfume. And yeah, there will be days will be harder. Days will be easier. Again, use this time for you being, for me being at this time, you know, and in this space, I mean, alone. This is a wonderful time again to have this practice. And it, it's not, it's an illusion. It really is all one. It really is all connected. Literally, you caring for that puppy and loving. Animals are amazing that way. Yeah, they're undifferentiated love. When you give them that love, you're actually loving yourself back in return. Boom! Mm, I love right? it. It's it's really beautiful. Yeah, I didn't get oh. that. I didn't really get that until recently because I'd never been a uh, other than when I was a kid uh, a pet owner. But yeah, it's it's a huge it's a huge thing. I think a lot of people got pets during COVID. Gurdjieff said that people should practice love on animals first. Um, I mean, and I think that's true. Yeah, literally. and these, these animals are again undifferentiated love. Yeah, and I really believe that they find you, and they are they're you're for them, they're for you. I mean, it's so profound, man. It's so profound. It really is. So again, it's also see see now how your tone changed. Like, from <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is you. This this you are. We we have power. No, but I see even even when I'm walking my puppy, like it just everyone's heart melts as soon as they see the puppy. That wouldn't happen with me. I'm a six foot tall, you know, weird looking guy who can barely dress himself, you know. But uh, <laughs> like, it is. but that's what I'm. But that's what I'm saying. When when I used to have a puppy, I had this beautiful Ridgeback puppy in the city, and when it was a puppy, like man, I'm the same way. Like I'm a scary looking guy, with dress whatever. Like people would never would just come up and just would love this animal. I was like, oh, wow, yeah. man, yeah, godless animal. For that yeah so we're coming to the ending is there anything you want to cover because i want to read one little thing before yeah we... no i think we're almost at yeah we've been talking for two hours uh no i think that was i think that was great this is a great point to wrap up on please um read what you're going to read and also let people know where to find out more about you yeah my, my all my stuff's on my website abdiasari.com 
Um, that's where my stuff is. You can read stuff. I, there's post stuff. There's inspiration stuff. And I just actually want to read a poem from the inspiration section there. You know, my favorite. Uh, I just love these old Zen guys, man. No bullshit. Mm. So this is some Ryokan-san. Ryokan was a monk back in the day, right in Japan. Too lazy to be ambitious. I let the world take care of itself. Ten days worth of rice in my bag. A bundle of twigs by the fireplace. Chatter about delusion enlightenment. Listening to the night rain on my roof. I sit comfortably with both legs stretched out. Too lazy to be ambitious. I let the world take care of itself. Ten days worth of rice in my bag. A bundle of twigs by the fireplace. Why chatter about delusion and enlightenment? Listening to the night rain on my roof, I sit comfortably with both legs stretched out. So I'll leave you with that, Ryokan-san, and I thank you, Jason. So lovely talking to you. Thank you, and I'd love to have you back on the show pretty soon, because that was Anytime, an awesome brother. conversation. I, really, I enjoy our talks, and um, be gentle. And I'll work Thank the same. You. And I love self-patience. Everyone All remember right. that. Self-patience. Okay. okay man. Talk to you, you soon. Are. Great to talk to you. Same here, brother. Bye. All right. Hope you really, really enjoyed that. I definitely had a lot of fun in that conversation. Meet us at magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E, my school for magic meditation and mysticism where you can learn all the skills you need to unleash your true self. I will see you in class and until next time, hang in there.